Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. I've got a friend, Dr. Dale Blasey. He's a ruminant nutritionist and he's an expert in stalker cattle production. And we're going to talk about some new and novel research that he's doing at the stalker unit here at Kansas State University. We're going to talk about limit feeding byproduct feeds to high risk calves to get them started something that helps with finding sick cattle and decreasing logistics, decreasing manure, many more positive things. Stay tuned. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Dale Blasey, who is a professor over in animal science and he is uh, the leader of our stalker unit here at K-State, which if you haven't been to the stalker unit or come to stalker unit days, um, stalker days, right? You should. It's in September, usually the third week of September. S right after double uh, ARP. There you go. Right after double ARP, you can go to one and then come catch the other. And and um, it, it is probably one of the most informational meetings we have on campus for when it pertains to beef cattle and. Uh, what Dr. Blasey has done with that stalker unit. I was, when I first got here is when you first started, so about 15 years ago? About 15. And now the fencing and the cross fencing and the pins and the, the technology, folks, it's something that, that you need to come see here at K-State. Proud Thank of you. it. Thank you. Dr. Dale, we're gonna talk about starting calves and, and let's just start out with kind of, you know, it's, it's some of the, same song, different verse, right? It's been that way, it seems like, since they inv invented semi-trucks. Yeah, and so, so we get these calves, co-mingled, high-risk calves come in and issues. They don't want to eat different environment. The stress on the road, they're tired, they're grouchy, and it's really tough to uh, get some calories and some necessary protein into them to mount that response that hopefully doesn't happen in terms of a health outbreak. Right, so so we get these calves in, we're, we're trying to get them rested, we're trying to get them to eat, and and then, you know, we also have the stress of if people don't know how to handle them, if, you know, if we come in and we're whipping and spurring and different things of that, so really what it gets back to is the animal husbandry of how do we make these cattle feel at home. That's right, and the, the, the link to the whole thing is long stem grass hay. That's one way to entice a calf up to the bunk, especially with waterers if they've not even, you know, we use Merrimounts in our pens and a lot of them drink out of tanks and ponds and they really don't understand the whole concept and they may still be in the, may be bawling. Uh, and so that long stem hay kind of gives them a little taste of home, if you will, in terms of starting the process of settling them down. Yeah, they walk in there, it's something that's familiar. I don't know what all this stuff is, but I know what that is, so I'm gonna go over there and, and nibble on on that. What do you, I mean, when, when you guys are, I mean, you're obviously receiving calves all the time. Are there things that you're seeing in the cattle that are coming in, or the, is it the same type of issues, lightweight, co-mingled, or are there anything else that, that we're noticing? Well, you know, the nature of our work out there, we may do a lot of health-related work, in, in which case we, we are looking for stressed calves. Uh, typically, 
uh, calves that uh, unfairly from the southeast, for example, that come out of auction markets out of, uh, we purchase our calves from an order buyer out of Dick Dixon, Tennessee. He does a marvelous job of assembling calves for us uh, from, your, uh, from sale barns throughout northern Alabama and Tennessee proper. And, and we anticipate the potential stress coming into our, our, our facility. On the other hand, prearranged sales, uh, cattle that uh, uh, origin from uh, larger ranches and so forth where we're doing production related work, uh, there's a whole bunch more. We know the history on those calves, the, the pre-vax, the preconditioning and everything that goes into it. It's, it's a dramatic difference in terms of the approach on these calves, but typically getting them to eat is, is really the first step in ensuring that you have a smooth transition. Cool. Well, that's a good segue, folks, into what we're going to talk about on some of these limit feeding projects that Dr. Blasey is doing out there. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Dale Blasey, who's a professor in ruminant nutrition and beef production at our stalker unit here uh, at Kansas State. And we're talking about he's trying to get a rise out of me by saying that the stalker meeting is right after, stalker day is right after AARP. It's AABP. It's the bovine practitioners, not the ARP, although we do qualify for both. Um, <laughs> but uh, so if you think that I'm running off to Albuquerque to AARP instead of bovine practitioners, so be it. But come on to Stalker Days right after AABP. That's correct. In September. So, Dr. Dale, we get these high stress calves in. Y'all been doing some unique work with limit feeding, trying to get them, entice them to eat, to get them hungry, keep them hungry. You know, limit feeding's been around a long time. Yep. 30, 40 years, it's certainly not a new concept. And there was really a good paper uh, that Oklahoma State, uh, out of a symposium back in 1986, uh, Dr. Bob Lake uh, worked at Hitch Feeders out of Hooker, Oklahoma. Yep. That's the yard. And uh, he did a really wonderful job in his uh, article write-up talking about start uh, getting calves on limit feeding and taking upwards of two weeks to do so. You look at the diet and it's about two-thirds corn in that, in that diet. And, we, you know, the distillers, the corn gluten feed has been on the scene now for almost 15 years, give or take. And so we wanted to look at the utilization and try to exploit these co-products because they're, rather than high in starch, they're high in digestible, soluble fiber, which really does create a, a substantial amount of energy, potential energy for that calf. So, and it matches up too with the rumen microbes if you're going to have cattle on grass and different things like that, that if they're coming in off grass, they probably have some microbes that match up a little better with some of these soluble or the, the structural carbohydrates that we see. Right. And, and the one thing about starting calves on high energy diets, some really good work out of northern New Mexico uh, down there with, uh, oh, help me out, the, the guy that invented the California Net Energy System. Lynn Lofgren. Dr. Lofgren uh, had done some wonderful work and had shown an increased relationship with the intensity of energy in the diet and morbidity. We also see increased performance as a consequence as well. So our workaround was to try to pull the starch out of the diet, provide the energy in the form of limit feeding, and hopefully get over some of the hurdles that we typically experience during the early phases of on incoming cattle. And you know, um, we're getting closer to the break, so when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about 
how 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 the system works and what what you're doing but you know as a veterinarian one of the things that we try to do so it helps us with identifying the animals that are sick is keep them aggressive because the, if, if I'm keeping them hungry and keeping them aggressive to the bunk the ones that are sick will hang back yeah, absolutely that's correct and it helps me from pulling instead of pulling ugly I'm pulling sick that's correct cool well it's 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 uh, awesome and it's something that's going to help us out in the field when we come back we're going to talk about how Dr. Blasey and his research team has looked at these high energy diets limit feeding to help the health of your newly received calves. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson and Dr. Dale Blasey here and we are talking about limit feeding cattle where Dr. Blasey and his research team have done research at the K-State Stalker Unit uh, with calves, some put together calves and, and so talk a little bit about what your treatments were and. And, and what you were well, in a nutshell, on day one of arrival, we provide the long stem hay, as I, as I indicated mm -hmm. earlier, at about 1% of body weight. On day two, we start our limit feeding diet, and we provide that at 1% with no additional long stem hay. It's the complete diet that's in that 1%. And we'll step those cattle up about a quarter of a percent a day, such that at by day five or so, those calves are cons consuming about 2.2% of their body weight that's dry matter, and they're on the diet. That's five days. They're, they're, they're coasting, they're holding it steady. We weigh the cattle because we're doing research, but if a person has a good incoming weight on those cattle, they just automatically calculate the gains. If you look at what the California Net Energy System is, you can, every two weeks, you can bump them up the 15 or 18 pounds that you gain every two weeks, and you can just continue to increase the amount that they're provided on, a, on so, a dry matter basis. So what you're doing is you're leaving them then get them up there to that 2.2 and you're going to leave them at that 2.2 but understanding that every two weeks they're putting on 15 to 20 pounds. That is correct. So to move, so to keep them keep them limit fed you're just moving that 2.2 up 20 pounds. That is correct. So that makes some sense. And what's in the diet is 40 percent dry matter basis wet corn gluten feed uh, we've used wet corn gluten feed, feed as well, that sweet brand out of uh, southeastern uh, Nebraska. Uh, we are in the process of looking at dried distillers uh, in a trial we're going to do later in May. So that works good. Uh, all top, about 13% roughage in the diet uh, and about 39% corn, on, all on a dry matter basis. So you're looking at putting corn distillers as your two main ingredients. Obviously you have your trace mineral premix and then some some hay, I, I assume. 13 percent total, split between prairie hay and alfalfa. <laughs> so kind of non-conventional from what a lot of people would say on starting calves, but when we're limiting them, you know when, when you look back at some of the drought stress cow data, the best ways to feed cows through a drought is to feed them, limit feed them corn. In a, that's correct. In a dry lot situation, uh, because of, on a per energy unit basis, that's the cheapest it is. way that we can, can feed those calves. We see an inc our performance is, is very dependable. Uh, you can just lock it in. There's been some really good research out there across the country. You look at Ohio State, Oklahoma's done a lot, Texas as well. Uh, it's, very, it's a well-known concept. It's the, the tweak that we're using is 
utilizing the majority of the energy coming from the co-product. And then the advantage of going with dried versus wet is just the shipping and the storage? I, that, but we're also feeding a little bit of silage. We're, we're going to be doing some silage work. So gotcha. here we are. Uh, we're doing a trial right now. We're using 10% of the dry matter in the diet right now with silage. We experience no problem with calves starting feed at all. Uh, so, you know, it's the quantity and, and uh, I think the, uh, the masking, the odor from the co-product does a nice job of blending it. But we didn't want to create a wet diet, so I think in the future we want to look at, certainly at bringing in some drier product to create about a 65% or so dry matter uh, product. We're going to take a break, folks. We'll be back with Dr. Dale Blasey to wrap up on starting calves with limit feeding on, on a higher calorie diet. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson and Dr. Dale Blasey, where Dr. Blasey is the leader at our stalker unit and he is a professor in ruminant nutrition and extension across the state working with stalker cattle and has done some tremendous research uh, here looking at co-products and, and limit feeding to get these high-risk calves started. And, and so while we think about the performance and we think about the cost of gain and our intakes, um, you know, there are other things that are advantages to doing this. Uh, certainly, and, and you indicated health in an earlier segment here, this program. Uh, it really facilitates in terms of getting those calves that they, when they want to eat. And, you know, the first thing I hear uh, from producers is those calves are bawling. They, they almost will li literally climb out of the pens because they're adapting to that, that restricted amount of feed. But after about 10 days, they settle down. But, but when it's time to eat, they will be there at the bunks to eat. <laughs> and, and, and actually, as a, if a calf is not feeling well, there's, there's absolutely a reason and certainly would enhance the uh, cattle detection, the health detection uh, oh, for yeah. people picking calves out of, of being sick. That's, a, that's one of my number one is when people are trying, they, if they're not having a good job, not doing a good job of finding sick cattle, we'll crank down the feed, get those cattle aggressive, and then ride the pins while we're feeding. But you also mentioned some other things like manure management. Well, you know, there's a, uh, cropping plans and everything. That, and manure is, is always the millstone around any feeding operation in terms of what you do with it. And whether it's supposedly the soil compaction or the nutrient management plans and so forth, guess what with limit feeding? Uh, you're feeding less roughage. As I indicated, we're feeding 13% instead of 45 or so percent. So there's less indigestible material passing through the tract and more of it is being digested, about 10% of the diet, the, the apparent digestibilities are increased. Consequently, we see a reduction in fecal output of about 56%. Huh. So there's less manure coming out of the system. You're putting more of it on the, you're, you're building that calf uh, rather than utilizing that roughage to, to enhance its growth. It, it works very well and we see consequently a reduction in, in manure uh, issues. Well, not only did you make mention of the ingredients going out of the calf, but when we're hauling ingredients in, limit feeding is decreasing your, your logistics or improving your logistics around ingredients. Ab absolutely. I mean, if you're feeding a set of calves to where you may need one and a half trucks or two truck loads, to make it happen, you can maybe get it all accomplished with just one. So you, your tractor hour time, your labor time, and I failed to mention, we feed once a day. Those calves strip those bunks clean in four hours, Dr. Dan, 
and they're clean for 20, 24 hours afterwards. So with, with rain or anything like that, there's no need for scoop shovels or anything to have to go out and clean bunks. Hallelujah. That's, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Dale, thanks for all you do at K-State. Thank you, Dan. Thanks you do for, for uh, our beef industry as well. Thank you. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. If you all know what we do here, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local veterinarian. And for Dale Blasey and Dr. Dan Thompson here at Kansas State University, thanks for watching us. I'll see you down the road. Closed captioning brought to you by Vet Gun with Amel and new AMA Abamectin Vet Caps, the one-two punch against horn fly resistance from AgriLabs. For more information about this program or previous programs, go to DocTalkTV.com. DocTalk was brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals.